Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rotor Report podcast in association with the Sunday Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav and I am back today, unfortunately, to talk about another Sunderland loss. And uh, yeah, well, before we get into it, I'm going to introduce my pal today, Craig Chapman. How are you doing? Miserable. Miserable. Just doesn't get any better, does it? Uh, after the, like, there's not a, a club in world football, I think, who puts you through an emotional roller coaster every week like Sunderland does. It's been so some week, hasn't it? It's been, been crazy. It's absolutely mental to basically go through the motions like we have <laughs> almost 40,000 at the stadium of light and goodness me man what happened what happened well let's get into it I don't even think we should frig about I was going to say something else there but yeah <laughs> we, we should get into it straight away I think it was really really poor wasn't it I think the the occasion it all felt like it should have been a real moment a, a line in the sand for, for all of us to move forward after Lee Johnson's left and it was just as bad as Bolton in my eyes. I know the scoreline wasn't as bad, but I actually probably feel worse today, Craig. And yeah. as we record yeah, this, do, yeah. it's Sunday night, and we're we're talking about the game that was played obviously Saturday afternoon. And I'm still absolutely fuming. <laughs> it's funny. I said on last week's pod, I came out of Bolton, and I couldn't quite describe my emotions. I just felt like empty and and shell shocked. But to say that I feel let down is just, it's an understatement. Because that first half performance, I would say, was worse than Bolton. Because I think if you take into consideration all of the factors, you've got a Doncaster side who hadn't won away at home. I think in, what, 15 attempts, 14, 15 attempts, something like that. They've just been beaten, slaughtered at home, in fact, by our supposed promotion rivals, Rotherham. And you think this is a prime fixture, really, for everyone to be up for and... I mean, it really was as Sunderland as as it gets. You've got all of the pre-match hype, and um, I don't know. It had like a like a huge feeling about it getting at the ground. Everybody was buoyant. There was it was like it's hard hard to describe for anybody who wasn't there. Even but in it, the days even in the days leading up to the game, it was it was all gearing towards it being a proper special day. That's why so many. It was pe- like a Boxing Day fixture. Yeah, oh yeah, like everybody, everybody who turned up who hadn't been there for a while were there for a reason. It was one yeah. because Defoe was coming back, but two, it just felt like it was going to be a big occasion, and and mm-hmm. the club certainly made a bit more of a deal of this game than they have normally. And I don't know if it was just the occasion that got the players, but it was really bad. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I think perhaps we've had a bit of an arrogance or maybe an overconfidence about it going into this fixture with the assumption that this is just Doncaster Rovers, the atmosphere 
and the buzz and the hype should kind of carry us through us. Yeah, but absolutely, yeah. In, in respect of what Doncaster offered us in that first 10, 15 minutes, it was kind of next to nothing. You could see that if we were to get at them and press them, that we would have exposed like a lot of their vulnerabilities, like like we did literally, what, five, six weeks ago? Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, as soon as they scored, it was just the writing was on the wall. And we had no response. We just went into our shells again. And to be fair to the crowds, I know Sunderland, um, Sunderland fans will routinely be be questioned and criticised, but, um, you know, we're, we're rallying around trying to get them back into us. And they just offered nothing in response. It was... I mean, like I say, that first half, genuinely, I would say, is it's worse than Bolton. And we were talking last week that Bolton was the worst performance in our club's history. So so what does that say about yesterday? Yeah. I mean, it's, it was minging. The writing on was on the wall for me when I was in the pub before the game. And the fella next to us was like, have you seen the team? I was like, oh, no, I didn't even realise it was two o'clock. What is it? And he went, there's only one change. And I'd heard... So earlier in the day, that was the case, but I wasn't sure whether the the information was legit, and I was like, oh, hope that's a load of shit. And then obviously for it to be true that Mike Dodds, who has never managed this team before, has literally nothing to lose because he's guaranteed a job regardless, you know what I mean? He's only doing this until we get a manager in place. This fella who's picked the team thought that the best way to respond to a 6-0 defeat by a mid-table team was to pick basically the same team. It was mm-hmm. atrocious, and every single person who saw that team news at two o'clock had the same feeling in their gut. What the fuck has he done that for? And <laughs> as we walked into the ground, and yeah, the atmosphere was decent, and I saw the team out on the pitch, and I'm like, why is Gooch playing? Why is, you know, Embleton starting? Where is Matetti? Where is the change? Where's the difference? Where's Trey Hume? This right back who we've paid 200 grand for, who's meant to be a superstar youngster, who's been having a great season in Ireland. We're playing Carl Winchester, right back, who's been poor for a yeah. month or two now. And I'm just baffled by that. And straight away, it set the tone for the game. It's the same team who had went out and got absolutely humped against Bolton, basically, one change was Diaco for Pritchard. And to be fair to Pritchard, I think Andy gave a man the match on the site. Pritchard was probably our best player, best of a bad bunch, yeah. really. But other than that, my God, these players were terrible. And everybody from the freaking tea lady to us lot in the stands. I mean, I was having a piss at 75 minutes, Craig, and I was stood next to this bloke in the, in the, cube, in the, in the trough, and he's going, if us piss fans can see that's not going to work, I hope them lot in the tracksuits not say it's going to work. And I'm like, you're bang on, mate. Every single one of us who saw that team at two o'clock knew it was the wrong team. So what the hell have they done all week leading up to that game to pick the same team? Honest, I'm I'm getting raging thinking about it now because like I'm a, we're over a day out of this game, and I'm still wondering what was going through that bloke's head when he picked that side. Yeah, for our own sanity, it might be worth just ending the podcast here, to be honest, because I think <laughs> I think as this goes on, it's just going to get worse, isn't it? Christ, well, it's I, like a therapy yeah. session. No, you you are right. You you bang on because if you think, and the, look, there's been some mixed messages in the fallout. Um, I seen a suggestion that somebody who was formerly with the club, who was basically an an affiliate of said person. I d- I don't want to name who they are, but I, I seen somebody say in response that apparently Dodds did not pick the team, 
and it was almost implying that Christine Speakman, who which will inevitably get onto that that he picked the team. And I'm just thinking, like, look, if one, if that's true, Speakman should be on the touchline. But like you said, it's it's playing some of these lads who you could just see the the sort devoid of confidence now. They're just. And, and some of them really do need a rest. And, um, I mean, look, like we are talking last week, a Bolton, granted, I pissed off a couple of minutes after 4-0. But when we made some of the changes, the brightest players on the pitch was the substitutes. It was, it was Clark, it was Roberts. They were trying to get something going, even though the game was well and truly lost by that point. But you wonder what kind of message that sets to them, that they come into this club and we make such a song and dance about all of these attacking options that we've got and we're once again putting our faith in a bunch of lads, and I don't want to be too overly critical, but they literally look dead on the feet, confidence-wise. Yeah, I mean you can you can go in some of them individually, um, and and I know some of them have been slaughtered, but you think of the likes of you look at Sirkin at left back, he need, he needs taken out. Doyle does as well, and it's granted they're going through it's such like a poor run of form, but the the need taken out for. for for not only their own, you know, kind of physical well-being because they've played so many games now, but their own mental well-being as well. Mm. But the reality is we are now so short of options that these are going to have to come in and basically face this every couple of days now for every game. And at the minute, you can only say you're getting worse before it gets better. Yeah, it's, well, it's, the, it's thing, the thing with Dennis Serkin that's quite frustrating is, you're right, like, you can say he's floundering a little bit and he needs to probably come out of the team. We haven't got another left back. I I was no. sitting on deadline day talking to the rest of the lads in Rotary Report and I was thinking like, well, Dice has had a Dice, sorry, Tyrese Dice, he's had a he's had a decent season for the twenty threes. So maybe they're looking at him as a as a potential first team backup option. But then I was thinking about it again yesterday and I was thinking, well, like what you would be then doing is replacing one young kid with another young kid. We haven't got options in that position. You've just mentioned Callum yeah. Doyle there. Callum Doyle for me started the season as probably one of our better players. And I actually quite like his attitude, even when he's not playing well. Like after the game at Bolton, he was one of the players who fronted up to the fans and went over and apologised. And um, I noticed when Corey Evans, and we'll get on to the actual game in a bit, but I, I, no, I noticed when Corey Evans scored the goal to make it 2-1, he was the one trying to G the crowd up, waving his arms. And I just think, yeah. like, for a young lad, he's actually got quite a, a good head on his shoulders. But It's very like, mature, yeah. Yeah, but we, as a club... You know, we have to look after these players and I think generally we do quite a, a good job of looking after young players but we've really shot ourselves in the foot in my opinion uh-huh. by sort of the way we've, we're have we managing them two in particular and, and Dan Neal, another one because they need taken out of the team and you can see it it's, it's you know, it's there in front of our eyes and we can't because I mean, I haven't got a clue what's going on with Jim Adgley. I've said this before I went to watch him for the 23s the other week and he struggled. He made a really bad mistake, which left led to a goal. And I was looking, I was going, is he really ready, him? Is he really ready? And then the, all the, the crack coming out around that time towards the end of the window was, do you imagine he's going to go out on loan? He's going to go somewhere and get some game time. And now it's, oh, he's staying and he's part of the first team. He wasn't even on the bench. So, no. you know, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, we, we are now really relying on these kids to ride through this bad spell. And I don't think we're doing well by them. And um, yeah, it's sort of endemic through the team, isn't it? I mean, you look at how young the team was yesterday. Even Thorben Hoffman, I think it was Martin, when he was talking earlier in our group chat, he was saying about how, you know, if if Burge was fit, then you would be probably looking at bringing him into the team. Because Hoffman is another one who's just really struggling. He's conceded a lot of goals recently. You know, he was... 
I've got some notes on the goals and we will go over them in a minute, but I think he probably could have done a little bit better for both of them. And I'm just mm. thinking, like, what do you do? Because the, the other players just aren't available. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, these the not problems which have just like arisen during the last few weeks. They've been well established pretty much since the start of the season. For some reason, mm. we are at our best now for a couple of years with attackment options, but at the back, we're absolutely atrocious. We, you know, we've got experienced bodies in there. Bailey Wright, obviously we're missing him through injury. Danny Bass, quite incredibly, he kind of came in, first performance, and he went from Paul Butler to like Paul McShane in the space of like, you know, <laughs> 90 minutes later. So it's one of them where they're coming in and they're supposed to be full of confidence, but it's just like they're fitting into just something that's fallen apart. And... Um, mm. I guess you are right in that sense, obviously kind of going back to deadline day when you're looking at some of these these bodies that you're hoping to bring in. There was no new link surfacing. And I know Speakman mentioned on that podcast saying that there was like four defensive options and they all kind of fell through. In my instant thought is, well, what are you doing making a deal to let Tom Flanagan go if you do not have well, the guarantee? Yeah, I'll just cut in on that. I don't know if, any, if you saw the quotes from Barry Fry about Mark Beavers. Their centre half mm. at Peterborough, um, it's this the people should seek them out if if they want. But um, Barry Fry basically came out and said that we proper pissed them around with bids for Mark Beavers on deadline day, that were nowhere near their valuation of them. And then when by the time we eventually met the valuation, it was quarter to eleven at night, and they turned around and said, "Well, we've told the manager now that we're not selling anybody, so no." And I just think, eh, like we'd been told. We've been told for ages that they've got this plan, recruitment's well thought out, this, that, and the other. Quite clearly, we were floundering there. And I just think, like, right, I got I got the, the gist of it from, from Speakman's podcast about Flanagan when he was like, we thought we did well by the player. We've told him you're not going to be playing. His deal was coming up. And I'm like, right, okay. Yeah, you've got to look after the player, but you've also got to look after the club. And we haven't. Yeah. I mean, his his I think his answer originally, uh, Danny Collins and Frank, I can't remember which one it was who asked the question. He said, well, we started the window with four defenders and we're ending it with four defenders. And I'm like, yeah, but one of them's just had major knee surgery and hasn't played proper football in 18 months. The other one's Bailey Wright, who can't stay fit. He's never stayed fit in his career. He's, he's currently injured. And the other one of the others is a, is a 18, 19, 18-year-old centre-half. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's madness. And then... I mean, I'm I'm ranting a bit here, but there's Ollie Younger playing for Doncaster and he played out of his skin. Yep. He got yeah, man the match for them yeah. against MK Dons a few weeks ago and I'm looking at him going, really? Like, that's just Sunderland all over, isn't it? So we mm-hmm. we are... I actually think this has been a really bad week and we're going to get on to Speakman and, and, the, and the rest, but we'll, we'll quickly fly through the game because that did actually happen before we started ranting. Um, <laughs> there were probably, what, one, two, three, six key moments in the game. First one... Um, their first goal from from Rio Griffiths, who was a debutant striker, the sign from Leon. Um, bit of a bit of a lively forward. Actually, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, but mm. I don't know what you made of the goal. I've got some notes here on what I what I've seen when I've when I've watched it back. I've only just watched it back for the first time since it happened because I really didn't want to see it again. Um, but what was interesting to me was sort of the lack of sort of we lost our shape entirely for the for the goal. Dan Neal's high up the pitch, trying to play the ball in Embleton's feet. It's a slack pass, really. But what worries me is, and this has been a common criticism of Dan Neal in particular, is that when he's when the when him and Embleton are then out of possession, 
they don't bust a gut to chase back and win the ball. Um, but Doncaster, obviously, they fly forward at pace. Winchester and Evans are forced to plug the gap because they because obviously Neil and Edmonton aren't there. So Winchester's flying out from right back. Evans, who normally sits in front of the, the two centre-halves, he's flying in to try and win the ball. Winchester gets totally taken out of the game by their, their attacking player who's got the ball. Sirkin's high up the pitch, miles out. So again, the shape's all over the place. Danny Bart... God knows what he's doing because he's literally got one job and that's to keep his eyes on Rio Griffiths and he's just standing there, ball watching. Ball goes over the top of his head. Griffiths just drifts past him like he's not there and Hoffman very weirdly rooted to his line instead of trying to close down the angle and make the goal small and, and Griffiths scores and I'm thinking, what the... Like, I know our defending's been bad recently but that just points to so many problems, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think, again, without sort of pointing the finger or the blame at anyone. Like you said, the shape was, it was an absolute mess. I caught, I, I literally, I could, I could only watch like 30 seconds of it on Quest because it was just that bad watching it again. You think, what on earth's happened? How have they actually allowed that to happen? Experienced, you know, defenders and, and even somewhere like Evans just, just to completely lose our discipline in that way. You mentioned obviously Hoffman. I think one of the easier things he could have done is, is come out, made himself big, close the angle down, but after yeah, last week, <laughs> last week you look at that and you think, where, yeah, exactly that. that. This is what this this is one of the examples, though, Craig, of where like you need to take him out of the team and you can't. Well, that's it. It's um, we will inevitably, no doubt, get on to uh, to Roy Keane. But I I remember when we got hammering off Everton in the Premier League, took Craig Gordon out. He was yeah. what not nine nine million pound goalkeeper. Now, um, admittedly, we had the luxury of of Darren Ward um and some pretty good backup options at that time. But again, you, you, we've left ourselves quite short in that respect. Norm Burge is likely to be out for a little while, and you think, can you really bring Patterson in? Because no disrespect from what we've seen from him so far. Not only is he four foot five, he doesn't really do much. He can't it's, command. It's the circuit and dice problem again, isn't it? You look and you've got a young player, and you 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 know you've replaced them with another young player. Mm-hmm. So at the minute, unfortunately, having a look at our back line. And the options that we've got, essentially, over the course of the past week and a half or so, we've literally weakened the weakest part of the squad that we've got. And now, if you've got a side like Doncaster coming up, and like I say, to have not won any games away from home, this this one's a free hit. This one's, we're going to beat these by four, five or six. But the fact that they, I mean, they took the piss at times. They really did. And they, they actually frightened Sunderland a good few times. They hit the post. There was a couple of opportunities that, that just went wide. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Christ almighty, that second goal just before half-time, obviously, I, I, we've, we're going past the first one now, but it, it just killed us. It just absolutely killed us. And you think, the fact that there's no response and everyone's just looking at each other and the pointing fingers, yeah. and you're just, you're just looking at that and you think, what on earth has happened to this side that four or five weeks ago after Hump and Sheffield Wednesday, you, you know, you, you're looking at it and basically saying that we'll beat anyone. Yeah, and to be fair, I'm convinced that we will when we're on our on our game. But what yesterday has highlighted is, to be fair, if Sunderland are to lose a game, we've lost them in all different variables now. So you you're pretty confident that any side could come and beat us based on our current form. Yeah, looks like we've just fell into that same pattern again, and I, and I just can't see us breaking out of it until basically they get this managerial decision right over the course of the next the next couple of days, hopefully. But I mean, like I say, we can we can throw duds under the bus. I think the team selection was just absolutely horrific. Um, and, you know, looking at that first goal again, so many people out of position. Winchester in particular, 
I mean, he's a central midfielder, so you can kind of give him a bit of sympathy for that. That's why he's so far out of position, because we're asking him to play three or four different roles, and it's it's inevitably going to bite us on the arse. Hmm. Yeah, we've uh, we've skipped over a bit there, but you mentioned hitting the post, Doncaster. I watched that back and again, and I don't want to... I feel like I'm picking on him, but you have to point these things out, because as you see them, um, it was a little bit of slack play from Neil again, I think. He turns his back on the ball. It's a sort of half arse sort of turn these back, not really trying to stop the cross properly. It deflects off Doyle. They get a little bit lucky, to be fair, and, and thankfully it hits the post. But then you, again, the, the second goal, Tommy Rose goal, it's Neil again, sort of. <laughs> uh, the ball in the box gets cleared. It's nodded back in. Um, Doyle, someone else who we've already talked about, he goes to the ball, but if he does that, he has to win it because he's coming that far out of position. If he doesn't win the ball, he's leaving a big gap behind him. And that's exactly what happens there, man. Nicks it round the corner of him, finds Rowe, who's Dan Neal's man. And Neal is actually pretty tight to him, but he still manages to score. For me, I know not this hasn't been said a lot, but I think from looking back at it, Hoffman's expecting the ball to be low. So he's already sort mm-hmm. of down to make a save. Yeah, he's and the shot is head height. You know, if he stands up, he... He, he probably palms it over the bar or, you know, punches it away or, but he isn't, he's, he's sort of already going down to stop the near post shot and it's above, it's, it's above head height and he's like on his knees when the score and I'm just like, these are the marks of a team who are just aren't ready for this, what, what they're in, what they're getting into. Like the, these are a poor side Doncaster and we're letting them score the most basic of goals. Just really disappointing. Yeah. Because, I mean, we've, we've had defensive frailties all season, but we're just not learning from those lessons. No. And you think after a 6-0 drubbing last week, the the reaction or, or lack of, so to speak, they were talking in the week how we've had a good week in training and stuff like that, and I'm just wondering what have they worked on? <laughs> because it just literally looks like they've picked up from where we've left off. And, um, you know, you can attribute the blame to, to the coaching staff or whoever stood on the touchline, but the players have got to take a collective responsibility as well. And, and I think they're absolutely atrocious. They not only embarrassed themselves, but they embarrassed the club on, like I say, what was just a massive occasion. And, and here we are once again, a massive opportunity missed. And you can probably write off the automatic promotion spots now as a result of this, where, I mean, look at Rotherham. They went and beat these 5-0 comfortably the other day from... Mm-hmm what you're reading from some of the Doncaster fans, they were lucky to get away with five. And here we are. I don't even think that we had sort of five efforts, really, that, that threatened them in the entirety or at least looked like they were goal-scoring opportunities. But mm. I mean, what, we had what, a, what do you say? Yeah, we, we had a slightly better second half, but I think by that point it was too little too late. I mean, there was the goal that never was. It did cross the line, like great crossing by Pritchard. Ross Stewart heads it. I think it's clearly over the line because the way the, the goalkeeper sort of crowds the ball, the linesman totally misses it and it, it, it's not given. But, I mean, you watch it back, you can see it's crossed the line. Then not too long after that, this is after Jack Clarks came on and I thought he, he looked really promising when he did come on. He wins the ball inside of our half, carries it at pace, rides a couple of tackles, feeds it White Hamilton, who does what he seems to do every game now and cuts inside and hits the post. And then... um. Clark's involved again for the for the goal we actually got. He he plays it into Pritchard. Another sort of hopeful crossing. Keeper does really I think he does us a favour. This <laughs> is poor from him. Sort of nudges it into the path of Evans and he scores. But really we didn't do enough. We didn't do enough to get back in the game. All right, we had a couple of moments, but it shouldn't take till you're two 0 down, right? To to kick into gear, especially when you're playing bottom of the no. league. Like, that's probably the one of the most disappointing things. Really, this is a team who. 
I was at Doncaster away, what was it, just over a month ago? And I said yeah. then, they are the worst team I've seen since we dropped into League One. And I stand by that. Like, based on that game, that's the worst team I've seen Sunderland play since we dropped into this league. I mean, night and day, wasn't it? Like, it totally shows the change in sort of mentality. Not just from... And I said this in the in the build-up about how they've recruited quite a lot of players since that game. And I know we have, but at least they put this in the bloody team. The interesting thing about that game, I thought, was... I mean, we, we scored early. But it was it was kind of like the fans on on either end, if you like. I, I I remember just kind of when the goals were going in and celebrating them, but it felt like we were playing like like a cup tie against a team a couple of divisions below because they were that poor. Yeah. And um and granted they've they've nicked a couple of results here and there, but they they're still the same side. I mean they they got be five 0 in the week at home, so it it's still kind of evident that they're not very good. The league position reflects that. And you can talk about excuses and and what have you, but if you have any aspirations of getting promoted, naturally you've got to win your home games, but you've you've got to beat a side, even if it's just one nil, even if it goes in off somebody's mm-hmm. ass, you've got to beat a side who have not won away from home all season. I mean, they yeah. they're terrible. They will they will get relegated. I'm I'm pretty certain they'll get relegated. Um but based on that showing I mean, we've got to go up against a few of their their relegation rivals. To be fair, they'll they'll all be fancying a chance at Sunderland at the moment, based mm-hmm. on that on what they've just seen, because they've got nothing to lose. Free hit for Doncaster yeah. yesterday, and lo and behold, they've come up and, you know, they've they've weathered the the big atmosphere. And like I said, credit to them, they've um they, they've done well. And if if we got an equaliser, or you know, they give Stewart's goal, or Embleton's Embleton's shot goes in, we wouldn't have deserved it. You look oh. at the stats. Admittedly, I think we had like seventy five percent possession or something like that. We've done. We've done dick all with this. We were absolutely terrible. That sort of brings us on to a point. You, I just something I'll touch on what you've just said there. I think it was Andy Dawson was on um, Talksport the other day talking about us, and he was very critical of the sort of way we're trying to just play football against everybody. And that really, you just need to shit bag your way out of some of these games to get out of the league, mm-hmm. and that this yeah. this is evidence of it. Like we we just try. You've just said there seventy five percent possession, yet we got beat. And I just think sometimes, like, why are we trying to play one way all the time? Like, I love the way that we play. Sometimes we've we, we've got some fantastic players who can play some really good football, but there are certain games where you have to change it up. And like you, you can point to so many of these results this season. Rotherham totally out battled. Um, Shrewsbury away, totally outbattled. This game, totally outbattled. Um, Pompey away, outbattled. Like we've been, we've been outbattled by teams with worse players than what we've got so many times. Because the fact of the matter is, in this league, you don't need to play good football to win games. You just need to be yeah. sometimes streetwise, play to the occasion. You know, Doncaster, for me. They played the occasion better than we did. They came up, they mm-hmm. knew it was going to be a big crowd, and I think it was their manager came out after the game, didn't he, and said, like, I wish I could play two or three more times in front of crowds like this. So the, like, these are the games you live for as a footballer, playing at a full stadium, great atmosphere. You know, we haven't even got onto Defoe yet, but Jermaine Defoe's return to the club, it's a massive occasion, and his team total have been simple. Go out there, spoil the party, you know? these There's lots of fans here, so give... Give it 20, 25 minutes. If they're not winning, they're going to be on their case. You know, frustrate them. Take some early chances. Like, we're so easy to play against. We're so powder puff. I mean, I looked at the bench and I seen the, the names on our bench yesterday. And I mean, just off the top of your head, Jack Clark, Jamie Tetty, Jermaine Defoe, Patrick Roberts, Diaco, I think, was on the bench. You know, 
some proper good players. Like, these players would walk into most te- every team in this league, even. Yeah. These are cracking footballers. But there's one common theme there, other than probably with Matete, and they aren't they aren't League One big, rough and tough players. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating that every time we have a bad result, we're talking about the same crap. We're talking about how we've been yeah. out battled, we've been out fought. And t- we were talking just before there at the start about the team selection, Craig. Jay Matete came on and straight away I was like, why was he not starting? Look at him. He's come yeah. on. He's n- he hardly knows any of these lads. He's come on the pitch. We're getting beat. And he's shrugging players off like they're not there. And he's turning and he's twisting and he's playing simple five and ten yard balls that nobody else was playing. And I'm looking at him going, this game was made for him. They were always going to try and out-battle us. Why wasn't he starting it? And then you look at like, sort of like how poorly Dan Neal's playing at the minute and you just think, you know, it could have been a real good opportunity to take him out the firing line, give him a rest, put this new kid in who's got nothing to lose, who's been playing League One all season and by all accounts, according to Fleetwood fans, is a, is a proper superstar and we've got him on the bench and I'm just shaking mm-hmm. my head and I'm thinking... This was staring us in the face from minute one. With Matete, he, for me, to be honest, he he done something that I haven't seen in weeks in the space of like 30 seconds. And he was the only one who, in fairness, he, he looked like he wanted the ball and he, he was prepared to move it like quickly. We we got up the pitch a lot, lot faster with him on. And, and like you say, he's played regularly this season. So we can say what we want about fitness issues and stuff like that. To be fair, it was it was clear. You can't you can't see anything about that. That's non-existent. He's he's been playing and he, sh- he should have been in from the start. And like I say, if you're signing some of these lads and you're making such a big big song and dance out of it, what an opportunity against a side who are rooted to the bottom of the table for a bit of confidence. We should have been winning that game yesterday easily two three four nil something like that and getting all of these lads blooded. So they can go, right, there you go. There's a bit of a confidence boost. But again, I, I, I just can't get my head around it. I can't. It's, like I say, some of these lads, they've needed to come out for a while. Again, and it's through no fault of their own. They've, they have played far too much football. Dan Neal, Callum Doyle. And look, one, one I will defend, and I know I'll get absolutely slaughtered for it, is I think the, the club have badly, badly mismanaged Lyndon Gooch in the past couple of days. Here's a player who allegedly has been told he's surplus to requirements, so you can basically go. I think it was Shrewsbury that he was linked with. You're yeah. free to go, and if you don't go, you're not playing for us. But lo and behold, we'll put him in the starting lineup. We're then moving from his position from one wing to the next wing. He then drifts up front for a little bit. We're then put him right back, and you just think he's public enemy number one at the minute. Like, he literally cannot do anything right. And that's clearly impacting him. It's affecting his game overall. Mm-hmm. But if you think, again, if you're somebody like Mike Dodds and you've watched this side get beat 6-0, you'll probably be able to pick up on their mood and morale around the place. Take them out. Bring these lads in, like Matete, like like Roberts, like Clark, and just give them the opportunity. Because... It wasn't exactly an atmosphere where everybody was being for blood. We were all no. there urging them on. And mm-hmm. and like yeah, yeah. you say, we we can we can do this to death, but yesterday was was an absolute farce and ultimately it was through our own own doing. It was it was just an absolute mess. We, 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 I'll just quickly you mentioned obviously Andy Dawson um about this this particular way that we're playing. I, look, I I agree. 
when we're, we're playing on you know a perfect ball and green it's absolutely fine but at the minute we don't have a squad of players i would consider who are suited from playing out from the back because what we'll do is we'll give it a go then lo and behold we'll start lumping it forward to stewart yeah. who's normally got three men around him what yeah. what's he gonna do when the pressure was on and we were trying to play out from the back you could see it affecting the players so the crowd are getting yeah, on the case because they're making mistakes and we're st- and then hoffman gets the ball and he's still rolling it out to, to doyle and bat and nobody wanted it and my mates stood next to us going look at them nobody wants the ball like the the defenders have got the ball and they're looking around and they're having to go sideways to the fullbacks because literally nobody wanted it and that's what that's when you've got to as a coach look at the situation and go we need to change this because if we if we keep trying to play this way with players who are being affected with you know bad confidence then we're going to make more mistakes and that's basically what happened i think and I mean, even though the second half was better, we 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 weren't good enough, and and we lost the game. Um, just to round off the 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 talk about the game, Mike Dodds's post match comments, Craig. Why is that interview gone out? Because, I mean, everyone everyone who's seen it turned around and said the same thing. Like, what's he on about? Seriously, first thing he did was he first thing when he when he was asked, he looked he looked like totally dishevelled, and he's he's like first comment was well, I feel bad for the boys, and I'm thinking, eh, mate, how are you? Read the room. No. At least when Lee Johnson used to... We used to get on the end of a hiding. Lee Johnson would come out, the first thing he would do was apologise to the fans. I talk about the fans, the paying customers, you know what I mean? Because ultimately, they're the most important people when you're getting humped like that. It's not the players. But then after that, he followed it up by saying that he was shell-shocked because he didn't see it coming. And I was like, what? Come on. You didn't see it coming. Every one of us did. We seen as soon as you named that stupid team, what was going to happen today. It wasn't going to be as straightforward as you thought. I was just really pissed off when I heard that. And I've only heard it back once and I don't want to hear it again. But I'm just so annoyed with him. And I don't know how much, like you were talking before, I don't know how much of a say he had in picking the team. Clearly he had no sort of impact on, on training during the week. There was no response from the players. And if I'm honest, that interview shouldn't have gone out because it was embarrassing. My overriding concern at this point is that he already looks like a broken man after just one game. And I think if... We've got to go into the Cheltenham game, which is very, very likely with him in charge. You just wonder because, I mean, look, I don't want to get personal or anything. I, I don't know him. The reality is I'd never really heard of him until the other day. And um, I'm just looking at him thinking, like, you should not be in charge of this side. But if you are, then you should be standing with your chest puffed out in front of like 38,000 fans, basically knowing that you've got an opportunity to just mix it up, change it up. Like you said, mm-hmm. how on earth you didn't see it coming? It's bollocks because, like I say, everybody's exposing us now. Everybody knows how to play against Sunderland. It was interesting. There was a video which went out a couple of weeks ago. Some Portsmouth YouTubers or something like that stood out the ground after we beat them. And they were they were slagging us. Well, not slagging us off, but they were criticising basically the way we play. And they were more or less saying, like, if we were better, we would have exposed them X, Y, and Z. And a lot of responses were, you're just salty, you're just bitter, this, that, and the other. And they'll bang on, absolutely bang on, just saying how easy it is to play against us at the minute. You just need to get in our faces and frighten the life out of us. And the annoyance is, is you would have thought, again, obviously with Lee Johnson going, you know, whatever camp you were in, whether you want them to go or not, you you would have thought that the players might have at least express, expressed themselves a little bit. I know that there was um, apparently a little bit of disharmony in the camp and people questioning his, uh, his dismissal from the players, but you think, why don't you perhaps go and put on a show? Basically show what you can't love for all, for anybody else coming in because you've got an opportunity now for, for the rest of the season to, to basically get us out this league and, and secure your future. And 
just like I say, I think they let everybody down. But yeah. my concern with having Duds in again is, I'd, I'd look, I'd, is I just don't want him in charge. <laughs> I don't want to say anything bad about him. It was just, it was unacceptable. There's been a lot of things that that I think the media, PR wise, we've we've basically been dragged through the mud. The the Johnson COVID comments and stuff like that, which I personally think were harmless. No surprise with the shitbag journalist who done it. But you're right. There's certain things that should be said and shouldn't be said, and. Um, yeah, I just think we need to be a little bit wiser about that. Yeah, you talk about Dodd, so let's move on to the managerial situation because like, I agree with you. I don't want to see him back in the in the dugout on Tuesday night. I think it's going to take an absolute miracle for Roy Keane to be in place by then and taking the team. If that is the person who takes the job, he appears to be the front runner. But to me, Craig, as an outsider looking in, it just feels like the club are pissing around. I mean, I've heard some of the comments from um, from Speakman, he there was a video on you on on the stream, sorry, from before the game, which the club then put on the Twitter account, and the, it, it was sort of to me it came across as all reading between the lines. It was as if they were saying, "Look, we aren't just looking at one person; we're looking at multiple people. We've got a process to go through. We're looking at multiple applicants." Blah blah blah. And I'm just in the wake of that game, all I want to see them do is be decisive, clear, get the guy in. If he's your man, if that's the person you want to take this club forward whether it's for the rest of the season or for the next 18 months or two years or whatever it is, just fucking pay him what he wants. Give him the length of the contract that he wants. Stop messing around by saying you're talking to other managers. If he's your number one choice, just get him in. Because in my opinion, Craig, and this, again, I'm just speaking my mind here. I listened to his um, podcast with the club during the week. And he, one thing that stood out to me was his comments on how they felt it would be disrespectful to Lee Johnson if they'd lined someone up to take over from him before he was sacked. And that's very admirable. Okay, yeah, you're trying to do right by him, blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you what it is. That decision has cost us three points. We've lost a week already in terms of not having a manager through the door. And potentially that defeat on, on Saturday is the difference now between us finishing in the playoffs and, and finishing in the automatics. Because the, the two teams in the automatics are going to finish first and second. There's absolutely no yeah. doubt about that in my mind now. And we've, we that was a really important three point. And I just keep thinking about what he said and thinking, if you knew that you were going to sack Lee Johnson after that game, because we're let to believe this is all a plan, everything's, everything's well thought out and everything's done properly. All right, so they were probably already thinking about sacking him. Why didn't they have somebody lined up to, to come in? I don't buy this crap about it being right by Johnson and all the rest of it not speaking to other managers and, and there being a process tell you what they took this game for granted they thought they were going to beat Doncaster because they were bottom of the league they just thought it doesn't matter what we do the occasion Defoe's return a big crowd that'll be enough we'll win the game that's enough time to get them through to the next week and and nail down who they want is, is their first choice and I think I think they've totally shit the bed this week they've made so many bad decisions I mean, sacking Lee Johnson's one thing, whether I agree or not, irrelevant, he's gone, okay? One thing they should have done, though, was had his replacement lined up. Because if Roy Keane had walked in the door last Monday, right, and took training that day, there's absolutely no way on earth that with that crowd in the stadium, with Defoe coming back, with him coming back, a renewed sort of feeling around the squad, upping the standards and training and all the rest of it, there's no way we lose that game. And that's how important that three points was. And it's gone. It's out now. And we can't bring it back. We've lost that game. We've just been beaten at home off bottom of the league. And that's indecisiveness from the people at the top. And I've been really supportive of Christian Speakman and Kirill. But I tell you what, they've shit the bed this week. And it is worth noting you say about the support that they've had. Because 
considering you know previous regimes and stuff like that not getting into it now our hands have certainly been badly burned but these have been given a long period without questions being asked and a lot of fans have been bickering with one another on social media about give them time do this do that and to be fair there's been a lot of falling outs as a result but I mean, let, let's be frank, I think over the course of the past month or so, a lot of decisions made by Speakman that he's, I mean, they may have come above him, I don't know, but as he's put a signature on them on statements, you basically say that they come from him. But some of the behaviour coming out from the club has is, is stunk. I mean, Kirill, for example, he was on TalkSport, wasn't he? And he mentioned Johnson's dismissal was, was not just a knee-jerk reaction. It wasn't just the 6-0 defeat, it was an accumulation of things. So like you say, if that in mind, if all these things are building up, at what point are you thinking, right, we're going to need to sound somebody out now? Because, like you said, it's it's just been a wasted week. So you, you wonder in that respect, if, for example, we only got beat 1-0 at Bolton, would we have just persisted with him? Was it was it the big scoreline that's eventually pushed him off the hill? But like you said now, the naivety of it all is, is his comment saying that we won't be rushed into an appointment. So the week's gone. We've got 16 games left. We've got Cheltenham coming up on Tuesday, followed very quickly by Wimbledon. So whoever comes in, whether it's Keane or not, you're then down to 15 games going at the weekend and you think it may take a couple of games to get up to speed. But I just think that there's a certain arrogance about what we're doing at the moment. And to be fair, if you look at Keane's you know, body language and stuff like that, Roy Keane is a man who never smiles, who's pretty much grinning like a Cheshire cat discussing the links with the club the other day. He wants the job. And let's be fair, everybody in that stadium wants him to have that job. I don't know many who would say they wouldn't. The only time that the atmosphere got going, you know, to what it previously was years gone by was when Defoe came on and when people were singing for Roy Keane. Now, yeah. my concern is, is Roy Keane is a man who does not like to be messed about. He had a very cushy number with us once upon a time. And because he didn't like Ella Short, he walked away from a Premier League job and it's Probably reasonable to suggest that we were paying him an absolute fortune at the time. And he walked away with it. Now, if you think now, the job that he's got, he's he's got the best job in the world. Basically sitting and travelling around to, to all these grounds. And there was an article in The Athletic suggesting that he's earning seven figures a year. So if he's going to wrap that up to basically come to a club who's been unprofessional as we have in the past week. It's not exactly screaming out as a desirable opportunity for many, if any, at this minute. My real, real over, overriding concern at the moment is if we don't get Roy Keane, I think we're going we're gonna to make an appointment, like I said last week, that will underwhelm everybody and people will just cave in and give up. And I think there was an element of that a little bit yesterday when people were flooding out and going, well, that's the automatics done. We're speaking about it now as if the automatics are done. Probably likely it is, but there's 16 games to go. There's a third of the season, but we've, we've, we've kind of packed in because we know we've seen this all before. But Speakman's pissing about, and like I say, over the course of the past couple of weeks, you know, he's he's sold defenders, he's he's let defenders go back who run loan, and he's left us now short, weakened the weakest part part of the squad. He made us play games because he said he didn't want to disrupt the integrity of the league and, and all of this sort of bollocks. And as a result, we've dropped points to Wigan, we've got beat off Lincoln. And you just think now, in terms of some of the the decisions that he's that he's made over the past couple of weeks, you think why aren't people screaming at him a little bit more? Because the reality is, if we don't go up this season, whoever comes in, it's not going to be their fault. It's his it's Speakman's fault. So what I would like him to do at this present moment is basically stop fucking around, stop doing these you know these glossy interviews. I know they've got to do it for their for the club to kind of give updates and stuff like that, but don't be. 
don't be whoring the club out saying, oh, you know, we've got a list of candidates. We're just finalising the list of candidates. It's not good enough. It needs to be done now. How much yeah. more time do they need? Keane's got them by the balls, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, he I has. They've, he they've has. Taught, like I just mentioned before, because they sacked Johnson before deciding to speak to him, that puts the ball straight in Roy Keane's court. Because at least when you've got a manager in place and you're talking to potential replacements, you've always got the fallback of, well, he's still in charge. Like, we don't have to sack him until something's until a suitable replacement's found. So, you know, you, that gives you a little bit of leeway in the bargaining for the job. But with this particular situation, Roy Keane doesn't have to leave his cushy little lifestyle, like you've just said. No. It, he can do what he wants. They, these all have to be on his terms. There was rumours that they were only going to make him a short-term offer. Why would he leave what he's got now just to jump into a three-month job? If he comes back to management, he's going to want a, a decent length of contract. You just mm-hmm. mentioned about how much he gets paid on TV. He'll want a good wage, and I don't blame him, because why would you leave all that behind to to come and take a, a low-paid job? I say low-paid, but low-paid in terms of management. And on top of that, we've dillied and we've dallied and we've come out and Speakman said we're speaking to other candidates and, and this, that and the other. If I'm Roy Keane, I'm thinking, are you, are you going to stop pissing me around or what? Do you want us? Do you want us? Because if you want us, make us a good offer. You know, I really want to come, but you've got to meet us halfway here. And the, I see we're just, we're just speculating on what's going on, but the fact that we've been talking about this guy potentially coming in for nearly a week now and he still isn't through the door as of recording tells me that for whatever reason we aren't, we aren't, hitting his end of the bargain quite yet and like I just said before Craig I think it's cost us three points against Doncaster because really we should have had him in by then we should have had him in before that game we should have had him in the dressing room around the players you know reaffirming what he expects from them and that that result wouldn't happen there's no way on God's green earth that we get beat 2-1 off Doncaster at home with Roy Keane in charge not when it's his first game well look what he said on Friday the most important standout thing was the contract has to be right Basically, yeah. I'm saying about there, the club has to be right. You know, the manager has to be right. And then Ian Wright chirped up immediately afterwards, didn't he? And he said, everything's got to be right. Everything's got to be right upstairs. And like you said, if you think of a, if a man of, say, you know, Roy Keane's stature, who I think a lot of people are, you know, maybe sometimes dismissive. I, I've read a lot of people saying, well, you know, he's a failed manager, this, that and the other. He hasn't done nothing in 10 years and it's crap. Obviously, he was, he was with Ireland. He was with Villa. He's with Forest. And I think I think a lot of people are very kind of easy to misjudge who Roy Keane is. And if if we were to bring him back, then Sunderland become box office again. If you remember when he was in charge, we were on the back pages of every newspaper every single day because of just who he was and what he brought, the aura to the club. And if you think Defoe's little cameo, I mean, that put 10,000 on the gate. If Roy Keane mm-hmm. comes back for the next game, that will happen again. It's like I said, that, that basically... The fans are doing our part at the moment. It's the football club that's letting us down. And you mentioned, you know, quite a while back now about this plan and structure and whatever they want to call it. I know that they've been getting criticised for the way that they speak and some of the behaviours and this, that and the other. But the whole idea of this new way of working was the head coach was supposed to be the most replaceable person. So Johnson goes, you bring somebody else in. But like I say, I mean, his bargaining now has grown considerably stronger I've just got a horrible feeling he's going to turn it down. My my overriding concern is flash forward next week, we're going to have somebody in charge who none of us want. And then we're going to have to obviously slog it out for the rest of the season. But you're quite right. 
we now know basically it, it look it's easy to tell i think i think he wants this job he said that in the, the interview with gary neville didn't he that the everything's got to be right and um and i think right now basically we we've just got to make sure that we sound him out we get this resolved even if he's not going to take charge for tuesday get him down there you know get him in the stands get him to meet the lads because i know for one thing i'd be lifting my performance if i was a sunderland player thinking right here's roy Keane now I, i'd be doing everything i could to impress him because yeah. there should be an absolute awe of a man like that coming to manage them. Yeah, well, we'll see, won't we? I think the one thing, and this has been quite a, I wouldn't say negative, but yeah, probably negative because there's been a lot of being negative about in recent days. I think one thing for sure that if he comes in, it does change the mood again. You know, you saw what happened with Defoe. We got pumped 6-0 last weekend, and like you just said, we signed Jermaine Defoe, and there's 10,000 extra people in the ground, like... It's huge. What a what a sort of mood lift that'll give, and it'll be the same if Roy Keane gets a job. It it's important to go back to what I said before. We just have to get it done. Stop messing around. Stop pretending that there's other managers that are just as important. And you're just as interested in them. Just get it done. Give him the contract he wants. Give him the length of deal that he wants. Give him the money he wants. Get him in because we need to save our season. Like it's a proper SOS moment now. We have to save our season. We're so far off the pace. We've totally shit the bed in the last six games. And if we don't get it done now, we never will. I was going to talk about the Cheltenham game, but I'm, I'm conscious of the time, Craig. I mean, I'm, I had a quick look at them. We play them on Tuesday night. They've not won in 13. So there we go. Oh, lovely. There yeah. we go. Cheltenham won, Sunderland nil. Thanks <laughs> for listening. The stars, isn't it? Good night. Yeah, well, let, let's just hope that we win the game. Keane gets the job. He's in place by Saturday at least. And we just get this bloody season back on track because... I can feel it wittering away and it's not good, is it? And I'm, I don't want to be... We are never really... I wouldn't say we are never on this podcast particularly negative. I think you've just got to be real sometimes and a lot of the time we try to see both sides of the argument and I've been really supportive of, of the owner and the sporting director. I just think that this is the first massive call since they came into the club and they're getting it so badly wrong, it's unreal. Yeah, and they have feel. to... Like I've just said, they've got to save our season because if Sunderland don't get promoted this season, it's a disaster. And... If it is the playoffs, I'd rather have Roy Keane on my corner than, than any of these other absolute losers that we're being linked with who've only ever managed crap championship and league one teams. And I just think, you know what it is? All right, he might have had 10 years out of management, but tell you what, he's the last bloke who got Sunderland promoted. He knows how to do it. He knows this club inside out. So let's just get him in because every day that went us away, we're, we're wasting time. We're wasting time. Any final thoughts, man, before we go? Because I've ranted on enough. Just one thing on, on Roy Keane, we talk about like the lift and stuff like that. I mentioned it to you earlier, and um, just a quick memory, really. When he was in charge the last time that we were down at this level, I remember going to Barnsley, where we took, what, yeah, 9,000 mm-hmm. officially, and we had Sunderland fans in, in every side of the ground. Yeah. And um, I think we might have just been in the playoffs around about that time. Now, for anybody who hasn't been to Barnsley, basically the the kind of the, the dugout area, if you like, you've, you've got to walk past the away fans. You come out that stand and we had the side stand as well. One thing I always remember is all the players come out, staff's out. Now, Roy Keane's the last person to come out that tunnel, walks out, hands in his pockets, and he just ever so casually turns around, gives a thumbs up to the away end. And I swear the noise, I will never forget. It, it sounded like we'd scored a goal like <laughs> in a derby. It was that loud. And you think most managers, they'd be stood applauding, you know, giving it, giving it this, that and the other. Lee Johnson, obviously, was, was that type of character. But, like, not Roy. 
He literally was just that zoned in, focused on the business, just kept walking down the touchline. All he needed was that thumbs up. And like I say, if, if you're talking about somebody to go into the playoffs for, that is somebody who you want leading you into battle because you, we've had so many previous previous playoff failures with with people, to be fair, who, who haven't been able to inspire the players or the club. And if we're talking about putting thousands upon thousands on the gate, even if we know that we've got to go into the playoffs, if you've got Roy Keane, if you've got Jermaine Defoe, that is something that is going to put the fear of God into other teams. They just need to get this sorted now. They can't go for anybody else. It needs to be Roy Keane. Well said, mate. Okay, well, let's hope that this is a fairly out-of-date podcast pretty quickly because we've sit and moaned, we've sit and whinged. We all know what the club have got to do and it's on them. It's on them. We've done our part. We've, we've turned up against Bolton. 6,000 were there or whatever it was. We turned up in huge numbers at the weekend and the fact is the club aren't meeting their part of the bargain and they've just got to sort this out sooner rather than later. But thanks, Craig. Cheers for joining us, mate. Um, cheers, everyone, for listening. We've got a lot coming up this week, I'm sure. On Rota Report, whether Roy Keane takes the job or not, we'll be there to cover every angle. We'll be covering the uh, the Cheltenham game with our usual pre- and post-match stuff and leading up to the weekend against Wimbledon. We'll have stuff going in there as well, preview podcasts, hopefully. Twitter spaces, all that good stuff. But yeah, thanks for joining us. It's been a long one this week, but I think we needed it, and uh, we'll catch you later. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.